Hello there! You're listening to the Quarter to Three Movie Podcast for After Earth. My name is Tom Chick. I'm happy to have you with us. Me and my colleague Christian Matransky. It's pronounced Aphitos. And with the After Earth tagline, Kelly Wand. It's still Earth, it's just after humans. All right, that's all you got. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> the name uh, of the place. It's the After Earth. Uh, white man can't drift. <laughs> Let's go back I, to the original one. <laughs> I think this may be Lucas Black. I like it, but it could be bad. Uh, Dingus, you have to spoiler, by the way. Uh, maybe you haven't seen After Earth, in which case we don't want to spoil it for you. You might be listening, thinking, whoa, whoa, you guys... Don't give anything away. I'm still going to see it. So don't worry. Stick with us for, for a moment. Because That's right nice. now, Dingus is going to tell you about what we saw this week without ruining any of it. So, Dingus, take it away. Don't ruin anything. But tell the <laughs> folks a little bit about what we did this week. All right. Well, this week we saw After Earth, mm. a 2013 action-adventure sci-fi vanity movie well. about a father forcing his son to carry a huge action movie when he's not ready to do so. Oh, it was early. (laughs) Sorry, is that not what happened in the movie? That's a spoiler. Well, it was directed by M. Night Shyamalan and written by him and Gary Whitta, based on a story by Will Smith. Hmm. It stars Sophie Okonedo, Zoe Kravitz. Uh, Not as hot for that one. And uh, also, uh, Will Smith and Jaden Smith are in it. Um,. (laughs) After Earth is rated PG-13 mm. for sci-fi action violence and some disturbing images. But no partying. I just want to be clear. Was there any partying in this movie? Um, there was partying, but it was off screen. Okay, good, good. Some. By those guys who were in the room with the pod that he didn't see, and they're over there. Hey, hey where did all those guys come from? Oh, they're playing cards. Oh, how'd they get there? I honestly have no idea what Dingus was talking about. I don't about. either. What cards? There were card <laughs> games in that movie? There was there was somebody actually watching the movie After Earth at the end of the movie. <laughs> the closest to partying. I, I think. That's not a party. After, after Earth. You know what, Kelly Wand? Hey, he's that's... in that movie I was just watching. What the no, hell? You say that's not a party, and Kelly Wand, the critics agree with you on Metacritic. After Earth, uh, Metacritic is, of course, it's the average of review ratings. Metacritic, After Earth, is sitting at 32. On Rotten Tomatoes, the percentage of reviews of After Earth that are positive, 12. <laughs> That's lower than Jaden's scores in the beginning of the... <laughs> After Earth is not going to make make, make its uh, ranger grade, I'm afraid. Yeah. Uh, after Earth opened at number three behind Fast and Furious Six oh, and behind even magician. a million even a million behind the magician movie Now You See Me. Uh-huh. Uh, it, it made twenty seven million, uh, obviously a co- critical and commercial disappointment. Kelly Wan, here's now where I want you to come in 
and make me glad I saw it. Wait, do magicians really say, now you see me? Is that you know what? You'll have, to, you'll have to see the movie. I'm not sure. I, I'm not... My only touch... Just tell me. All I can do, Kelly Wand, uh, the extent of my knowledge about magicians is pretty much the song Final Countdown, based on what I know from Arrested Development. So I can't really help you there. Oh, I don't know what anyone's talking about tonight. I don't know what Dinks' card game thing was. <laughs> well, Kelly, why don't you join the party and confound other folks who haven't seen After Earth by spoiling everything in it with maybe a synopsis of the plot? Um, hang on, I need one more second. I did something dumb. <laughs> Which is currently beat. Hold the presses. Hold yeah. the presses. Let's talk for a minute. Scrolling stuff. is, how about that After Earth movie starring Will and Jaden Smith? I haven't seen it. Uh, is it worth watching? I've seen the posters. They rock. Dingus, can you do an impression of one of the actors on the poster? Go. Let's see it. All right. Man, that is eerie. That is eerily good. Yeah. Wait, which how, one was just, how do you how do you let slacken your jaw like that without it just like sliding off your face? <laughs> this is a whole podcast like that. I remember getting my wisdom teeth out and how I felt right after that, and that's kind of doing. Yeah, there's a certain you could call you could just have that image from the After Earth poster and just put underneath it the word Novocaine. Novocaine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would totally work. What's that? Is that is the science fiction version Super Novocaine? Kelly, <laughs> how's the synopsis coming? It's almost. I, just gotta, I did something dumb before, and it's almost ready. <laughs> just keep talking. I think Kelly Wan deleted the synopsis and is writing a new one, uh, no, which is maybe no. something that the the writers of After Earth should have considered. I think Ooh. he's on an Underwood typewriter right now. Actually, he's just you know hitting. Oh, I had a nightmare about a typewriter last night. Like I didn't have. No, Kelly Wan, we don't want to hear about you watching Naked Lunch with Peter Weller. Powers you, Tom. <laughs> okay, I'm ready. Kelly Wand, I want Thanks you to segue. That was great. Like, come back to me up there. The yeah, well, Kelly Wand, drive it like you stole it. Because you're very after. Good. After Erpsis. <laughs> oh wait, can Let's you make like a little, like, like a little erp noise? Tom, what should I call this? You think the After Erpsis? Okay. The After Erpsis? Things I pretend to have heard people on After Earth say. Hi, America, it's me again, Jaden Smith. Thanks to my super sleuthing in last year's Cloud Atlas, 1970s Tom Hanks died in a plane crash, huh? Anyway, listen up, yo. I may have the same name as my mom, and my dad may be the producer of all movies hyping my martial prowess, but I just want all you haters and Kelly Wands out there to know that from here on out, I'll be standing on my own two feet. Or in Karate Kid on one. JK. Now let me just slip on this headset. Uh, Dad, you there? Tell me what to do. Voice over. <laughs> no stunt reader? I'm telling mom. I mean, uh, once upon a voiceover, Earth was a paradise. Except for the 80% that's ocean, deserts, and lava. We fucked it up with some news footage of a fire and a flood. <laughs> Instead of switching channels, we figured it'd be easier and more economical to invent interstellar travel. So we went to another planet to fuck that one up, too. Fortunately, the one we picked was inhabited by aliens. Already breeding special CG monsters designed exclusively to lunge at us. 
<laughs> or maybe the monsters are the aliens. I was listening, but I couldn't understand my accent. Am I British? <laughs> like when Carrie Fisher was warning Tarkin, Alderaan's got no weapons? <laughs> anyway, the monsters are kind of like that Ripley's placenta thing at the end of Alien Resurrection, only more ungainly and slightly grayer and gooier. Jaden Smith's voice. Since I guess they're blind, but smell fear. Might have been smart for us to use emotion-dampening chems or full body suits that cover us completely, and maybe employing guns and bombs instead of 18th-century cutlass tech would have saved the guys. <laughs> and having better home security, like doorways too small for them to fit through, and an extra glass sphere shelter for my sister too, instead of just a really small one. Although at least the transparency helped traumatize me. <laughs> also, although it's only been a thousand years, somehow every animal on Earth is not only thriving, but has also evolved to kill humans. See, now his voice is back to normal. Forgot. Although it's only been a thousand years, somehow every animal on Earth is not only thriving, but has also evolved to kill humans. Which is kind of weird, since we left. Also, although there's more trees, there's less oxygen. Also, my dad's the greatest swordsman pilot general ever. You might- <laughs> Oh, fuck. You might even say he's a legend, unless arteries are involved. <laughs> ha ha, Jaden's running faster than us. Hey, after school, let's get beaten up by him. <laughs> <laughs> this is so dumb. I mean, <laughs> Jaden, you just received perfect scores at shitting your pants in the field and non-competitive running, but zero at harpooning CG. <laughs> Thus, in accordance with Metacritic math, I'm afraid I can't even recommend you as cannon fodder. Although I guess if we're picky enough to deny you, our war against barely intelligent pustules can't be going too badly. Are we at war? That's one of the questions I missed on my own test, if it makes you feel better. Sir, my dad's coming home tonight for the 10th anniversary of our last awkward family meal. Can't we lower our standards to nothing and not tell him? What's the big deal, asshole? Non-cadet, tell your father I said welcome home. That should take the edge off his disappointment and your lack of ability. Now get out. Uh, uh, hang on, I'm set. Finding my inner Will Smith voice may take a couple. <laughs> may take longer than the page downing. <clears throat> ah, what a lovely dinner! Thank you, Jada. And Jaden, your sister had a busy day writing that song about whipping her hair back and forth. At least she would have if that alien hadn't eaten her while you watched and cried like a four-year-old, even though you were almost two. So what have been your accomplishments this morning? Uh, guy at cadet school said to tell you unwelcome home. Jaden, your heart rate tells me either you're lying or going into cardiac arrest. It better not be one of those. Now, come on, spit it out. (laughs) Not the food. Uh... I didn't fail cadet school with an imperfect score. Not? (laughs) Jaden... Is that really how it is? Your house. What do we say about looking at your food? At least mom doesn't cry after sex with the food. Oh. Eh. Jesus, Will, you scared the shit out of me. Why you always got to creep up on me I like that? Put a necklace on. Why are you putting it on me right before bed? And what the fuck is it? <laughs> it is your birthstone. Hollow plastic. That was an awesome dinner, babe. You <laughs> 
put the ass back in mashed potatoes. <laughs> hey, now that we're only down to one kid, can you take him with you? Otherwise, now that he flunked out of harpoon school, he's going to be underfoot here a lot. <laughs> I know it's dangerous, but, well, there is no but. Please. Plus, you're such a great pilot, General Swordsman. I can rely on you to ensure that nothing stupid will happen that'll wind up inadvertently making a man out of him. I don't know, but okay. Hey, look, here he is, wetting our bed. Kid, suit up. Going with me to Chlamydia. <laughs> Damn it, you two clowns, I said stand me up so I can salute this man. Is <laughs> <laughs> <Was> that Bones? <laughs> I thought Carl Urban was going to be in this movie. <laughs> they wish. Oh, uh, you're technically not standing if we're propping you up. Uh, plus, this loot will probably ruin your balance. Can't you just do it sitting? I think you'll get the point. Saluting works when you're sitting. Damn it, I said clowns! <laughs> <sighs> that was me, by the way. The Smiths get on a nameless ship. Will Smith pages through some CG while Jaden bounces around in a safety harness beside him and all the extras just stare straight ahead and theirs do nothing. Hey, Pop, I'm reading Moby Dick. I've almost memorized every word on the cover. Not sure why I didn't bring it on this trip or anything else to do. Will you buy me a pet whale if we clear 40 mil opening weekend? How about now? What's here hysterectomy? me? Mom keeps saying she wishes she had one every time I spring out of the oven at her. What's an oven? La, 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 la. <laughs> Hey, Dad, listen to this. <laughs> Is Moby Dick about conquering fear? I thought it was about self-destructive obsession. Will it have any metaphorical bearing on what happens to us? Or is it just like when Garrett, what's his face, not at the bookshelf in Toronto, went, hmm, Dostoevsky. Hey, Dad, look what I can do with my balls. <laughs> Boy, can't you read? Yeah, but only 19th century existential polemics, not warning signs on the floor. Hey, that's the producer's son. Go easy on him, stinky. Boy, maybe you're right. No, I mean just verbally. Feel free to endanger his life with the alien. That's fine. <laughs> so we're coming up on an asteroid storm. Seems weird that rocks floating in a vacuum would have a weather system, but I guess they've evolved to not like humans either. <laughs> That's Joel Smith's response. Uh, what about the homing device you insisted we store in the back of the ship? Should we move it up here to the cockpit? There's nothing even back there worth saving, except that pissed-off monster we somehow captured and incarcerated inside that paper mache. Nah. Also, slow down. We're not getting pelted enough. But, sir, I said also! <laughs> sir, the ship's been cut in half, and even though we're going from one distant star system to another, we're somehow now in Earth's solar system and Earth orbit, and there's only parachutes for one of us. What's the plan, sir? Hey, where'd he go? <laughs> well, Dad, everybody else aboard got shredded a bit, so we both survived. Me without a scratch. What are the odds, huh? Yeah, Jaden. Uh, uh, now, according... Good thing the screen went dark. Kind of like when that chick dragged you out of that car and saved you from the horde of vampires in I Am Legend, even though later she turned out to be kind of a pussy, huh? You done? Okay. Now, according to the CG, we need this thing from the other ship chunk a hundred miles away to call for help from hundreds of light years distant. You go get it while I sit here and hector you. <laughs> Can we have those remote drones? Just pick it up first? No. <laughs> and no we can't raid any of these dead bodies for extra oxygen cartridges either you just got to take those four and hope this future tech case is sufficient to survive a single spill into wet grass now get going <laughs> dad I'm surrounded by CG monkeys I beat one in the head with the rock but I didn't kill all of them like I hoped what do I do 
Run for the River. It's a Shyamalan movie. Water has Mr. Crocker. <laughs> Nazgul. Like the signs, unbreakable. Dad, a leech poisoned my hand. Awesome. Don't worry, you only have one anti-venom thing in your kit, but luckily it's the leech one. Uh, <laughs> you didn't happen to read Pulp Fiction before Moby Dick by any chance. Dad, I can't see acting that I'm losing blood audience interest. Don't worry, that's perfectly normal. Now just stick the thing over your heart and fall on top of it and pretend that the ground's hard and your suit's not on so it punctures your aorta. Oh, okay, Dad, I did it. went into my chest. Good six inches. Really hurts. Good work. They may need to lie there for a bit while the leeches, monkeys, and tigers don't attack you. <laughs> uh, before you fell on it, you did point the needle end towards you. <laughs> <laughs> Look, Daddy, a cute boy stole Moby Dick from the library so I'd sleep with him. He said I could hold on to it till stuff spurts out of the hole and then lick all the oil off my fingertips. Oh, so God. You know, the whale, the book's about. They have spouts, right? Oh, yeah, that's great, sugar dumpling. I've never tasted a white one before. Say what? Whale, Daddy. It's about a whale. What? Oh, yeah, whales. Yeah. Haven't really had time since I'm so busy giving hand jobs to sailors. What? Because their hands get bitten off by aliens, Daddy. God. Oh, yeah, hands. Oh, that reminds me, Daddy. Guess what the football team impregnated me with? Honey, I gotta go. And thanks for the birthday candle prank. I was just starting to miss you guys. <laughs> I like that line. Hey, Dad, a giant bird smashed into me, but luckily the cut to the next scene trick worked again. But then some tigers somehow climbed up into its nest and killed its young, then out of gratitude for my failing to save them, it dragged me a few feet and died of unknown causes. Guess some creatures kind of like us after all, once they get to know us, huh? <laughs> some of us. Oh, also the bodies of the guys from the ship, Stinky and Seaman Beaumont, are here. They got tree branches sticking through them. Shouldn't they aim for the ground? Uh, the Ursa did that to scare you so it could smell your fear. Or in this case, nausea. Wait, if they're blind, how did it do precision work like skewering dudes? Look, Jaden, I'm not a scientist. I'm a swordsman general necklace enthusiast. Head for the volcano and throw the ring. Wait, I mean, run from the monster. Run from it? Doesn't it smell fear? Jane, you're in a dead zone. Uh, can't hear you at all. Good luck. Really? <laughs> Dad, my sister's ghost told me in a nightmare that's the end of the movie, and I suddenly became awesome at stabbing heads. Thanks for not believing in me. I guess that helped, too. Just tossed my lost oxygen into the volcano to celebrate. Woo! <laughs> that's good. Now, come on back here for the rescue ship. Wait, what was the last part again? Kid, you can't come in here. It's for leg surgeons and receptionists only. Damn you doctors, let me up. The general, isn't that unnecessary and dumb? I said receptionist. Aw, oh, you saluted me. Thanks, Dad. Good thing it wasn't your arm that was broken, huh? Hey, no offense, but I think I'd rather work with Mom. What's her job again? <laughs> Breastfeeding. <laughs> the end? Uh, yeah. I <laughs> Oh, thank you, Kelly Wand. All right. Uh, does anyone have anything? Uh, is there anything? Is there any reason to see this movie? Let me put it out that way. Hmm. No reason. Come on. Come. Dingus, give me one reason. It doesn't even have to be a good reason. Just something. What's something worth seeing in this movie? Come on, uh, Dingus. Were you talking to me? Yeah, come on. Anything. Dingus, it's got kids in it, so you should like it. There is nothing. I think there's nothing. 
I don't think there's a thing worth saying in this movie. Not one. I can maybe come up with... Hold on, let me look at my notes here. I got one and a half. I got maybe two. Maybe mine's... You know what? Mine's one and a half. Kelly Wan, what's one thing worth seeing in this movie? I thought it was cool when he defended the baby rocks. And, um... Rocks? Like ROC? Like the the condors, yeah. Yeah. Well, they added a thousand years to evolve to that size. Rocks? That's not a real... Isn't a rock something in the Monster Manual? What, what do you say? Why are you calling them rocks? No, it's been folio too, first off. And also, shouldn't it have eaten them and then, like, dribbled it into their beaks? Isn't that how they feed their young? But anyway, no. Uh, I liked when he was crying a lot. He's freaked out and panicky. It's kind of good acting, actually. I thought he was kind of good at that. Burrito. You're talking about Jaden Smith? No, Will. No, Jaden. Which one's... <laughs> Wait, the poster confuses me. He's on the left... <laughs> The poster is oddly confusing, but uh, so you actually at times thought that Jaden Smith was pretty good? Like you, you thought he was selling what he was doing, you're saying? Well, it's the least I'd, I haven't liked him. Because <laughs> in the day of the earth, it's still I, want, I wanted to kill him. And then in Cloud Atlas, I just kind of zoned out. But in this, he was freaked out a lot, and I felt bad for his character. Dingus, did any of that work for you? You you certainly have a weak spot for seeing you know children in distress. Uh, did any of that get you at all in After Earth? I think all of this movie is a child in distress, and it pisses me off. Uh, because I think it's not that, real distress. No, no, no. I think it's a real child in distress. <laughs> oh, I, I think that what Will Smith is doing to his kid is reprehensible, and I, I think it's terrible. I, you know, I've thought this since I had to stare at this stupid poster for weeks, where it's clear what Will Smith is trying to do to his kid. Um, I hate to. I, you know, it's it's rude of me to attribute motives to some other parent, but uh, I can't stand it for that reason. It just feels like he's he's asking his kid to do something out of vanity or whatever whatever his motives are um, that his kid is clearly not capable of or not suited for, and he's ruining Get it. it. And and it pisses me off. Well, I I can certainly see that, but I think there are plenty of bad actors at all sorts of ages and various levels. You know, I, who knows what's going on with their family, but I, I certainly, I watch this dingus, and I absolutely see an actor, you know, in this case a child actor, in way over his head, incapable of expressing things. He doesn't belong there. This is not the kind of movie he should be doing. This is not the kind of role he should be playing. I say it's not the kind of role he should be playing. That This ineffectual, annoying kid dropped into a survival drama. I, I don't know. In a way, maybe I kind of agree with Kelly Wand. Yeah. And that I got the sense, here's someone in over his head. But at the time, you know, that, that awful scene against the green screen where he's at the edge of the world before he does the sky jump and he's raging at his father. I mean, oh, what an, what an embarrassing sequence to watch him try to pull off. No, it is, it's much better that the climax of the movie involves a character not feeling something because that's in his wheelhouse. Not feet. What do you mean, not feelings? The, oh, oh, not being unafraid. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah he's he, he, the climax of the movie is a character not feeling an emotion, right, and conveying that. So, good job. <laughs> Dingus, and, Dingus is well, being mean to a child actor. I'm sorry. I, know. I, I, I feel for this kid. I, I don't, I, I don't know what what forces are at work here, where where they are trying to force uh, foist him upon us or force him to be a star. When he doesn't have that, I mean, Will Smith has that. I'll watch a movie with him. I and you know what? You even said this as I awful understand. as this as awful as this movie is. There are times when he's on screen, and you're like, "Oh yeah, okay, I, I can see 
if this movie didn't suck, I could see him pulling certain things off here. Uh, I mean, you can definitely see Will Smith's star power, and that, that in a way makes it all the more ridiculous when then the movie spends so much time with Jaden Smith, who has none of that uh, in comparison. But yeah. that's not his fault. Some people have it and some people don't. It's a mystery why that happens. The camera just it, – it's alchemy. I don't know what it is. The camera just sees some things in some people and doesn't see some things in other people. And it's – and. And I, I am not talking down this actor, this child actor, in saying this. I'm saying that his parents should know better. What they're doing to him is not fair to him. They're asking him to carry a major action, a huge budget action movie, and he's not ready to do that, and he doesn't have the chop. Not only does he not have the chops, he's just not that guy. It's not fair to him. I'm guessing he's going to be fine. He's part of a yeah, very wealthy family. <laughs> All right, you're going to be fine, but I still think it's unfair. I just, I, uh, I feel protective of people, of kids who are who are actors and who, who whose parents put them in stuff. I feel. I like, think it, uh, go ahead, tell me one. I was going to say it's like in Will Smith. You say you feel his star power. Do you think in some sick stage mothery kind of way, he's maybe even this is a horrible thing to say, but maybe he's rooting against his own son. I actually don't think this is true. I'm just throwing it out there. I kind of want to steer away from all this, like, this talk about family. I mean, who knows what... I apologize. Yeah, I, I'm sorry. Yeah, let's yeah. move. He's about, and he, he's doing it He's like we're paying to see it. We're paying to see him do this. I do want to say, Dingus, you mentioned the scene at the end where he's supposed to not be feeling anything. Just just laughable. I mean, the, the, the climax of this movie is one of the most ridiculous things I've seen in a long time. I watch a lot of crappy movies, but I can't imagine... Who was shooting that and not thinking, this is absurdly bad. But it reminded me of, every now and then we see a crappy movie, and I want to tell people what they should see instead. There's a movie I, I've mentioned briefly called The Citadel, which is about the same subject. It's about people dealing with fear and monsters that prey on fear. And it has a similar uh, kind of arc, a very different structure. But I'd encourage folks uh, who maybe saw, oh, there was a, a, a kernel of a decent idea in After Earth. I encourage them to instead watch uh, The Citadel, uh, which it reminded me of. Uh, I do want to say, so So one of the things, Kelly Wan, you mentioned sort of appreciating uh, the duress that the the character was under and Jaden Smith expressing that. That was one thing that kind of worked for you. I will say one thing that worked for me, but unfortunately I'd seen it in the trailer, I love, just as a microcosm of... Uh, you know, 20 second sequence. I love that shot of, you know, there's a plane wreck. There's the child in the oxygen mask. There's his father trying to calm him, you know, looking in his eyes. And then something terrible happens and his father gets sucked out of the plane. I thought that shot was chilling. Unfortunately, I'd seen it in the trailer. Um, yeah. And unfortunately, <laughs> he doesn't get sucked out. Yeah. Of the, I was like, what, what did they think we thought we saw? Did they shoot that and then decide, wait a minute, we're changing the story. I, I, I mean, the, the impact of that scene relies on you thinking that Will Smith got sucked out of the spaceship. Um, but I loved that visual, and I just loved the emotion of that moment. Um, and it was completely undercut later, you know, very shortly thereafter. It's like, oh, no, he's fine. He's just in. Well, if he had died, it would have been an even awesomer Jaden. And that's what, what I thought they were going to do. Uh, and I, for, for a while, I thought this being an M. Night Shyamalan movie, I thought that it was an imaginary thing. That, like, right. Jaden Smith was yeah, just imagining too. his father survived. But who shoots that awesome, chilling sequence 
and then doesn't follow through with it. Wait, you thought it was going to be like a Sixth Sense sequel? I, I thought the same thing. I thought maybe maybe he's going to imagine the voice, or maybe his yeah. father, there's going to be some sort of capability to do some sort of uh, hologram kind of a thing. I didn't know what the, that the technology would enable it, but uh, but I started to think that too, and, I, and it actually kind of sparked interest for a moment. Yeah, yeah. They have no technology of any kind. And I really love the idea of what you're talking about. That I love the thematic idea of this, of this father-son, or the father having to deal with uh, his son out in the wild, who is clearly not capable of handling it. Um, there's there's a certain beauty there. But I knew this movie uh, from the moment that the soldier does the stand me up and they do that awful salute. I know it's not going. To, I know I'm not going to trust it an emotional moment in this movie from yeah. that moment. And by the way, do we just not have the ability to have any prosthetic limbs a thousand years from now? We have to nope. have floating chairs. What the? You dingus, you don't need a limb when you have a floating chair. No. And you don't get to the see more you, know. you, don't get, dun, 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 dun. you don't get to see him wash out at uh, his flying thing. Which Let me tell you what else you don't get to see. And here's the one half thing I liked about the movie that I ended up loathing about this movie. Uh, one of my favorite young actresses is a, is a girl named Isabel Furman. She was in Orphan. She has a little tiny part in Hunger Games. Uh, she's in, oh, dead gummit. She's in some comedy with, I think, Greg Kinnear, where she plays his daughter. And she's just fascinating to watch. And she was credited in this movie. I was just looking at the cast list. There's her name. Sure enough, uh, when he's about to be called into the tent with who I thought looked like Andy Richter, to be told that he didn't uh, pass, that he didn't make a ranger. There's Isabella Furman standing right behind him. She doesn't have any lines. So throughout this movie, I kept waiting. She's in it. She's in it. I mean, she's not credited. Why David Caster? Well, I presume there was more stuff about him flunking out, about him being a ranger that we didn't see that got cut. guys on the crash, maybe? Well, that's what I was thinking. I kept, I was watching this movie just thinking, oh, this is terrible, but at least maybe when Isabella Furman comes along and the two of them are trying to survive together, then, you know, maybe it'll, it'll look up at that maybe point. Maybe she had upstaged him, and that's why they had to cut it. Well, she would, for whatever reason, uh, she, you can briefly see her in the background in one shot. Uh, uh, and I was oh, so annoyed at that. Because I love that actress. She, she's just I do too. fascinating. And, and so... I felt like I was robbed of, of that. I, you just get no sense whatsoever of how in the world this kid thinks he's a ranger or how in any world right. Right. this guy could have been taking a test or been in training to be a ranger. He's just such a little... Go ahead, Dingus. Yes, yes, yeah. Dingus. Yes. yes he's, a little, he's a little kid. He's a little kid running around scared <laughs> in the forest who throws rocks at apes or baboons. I thought, I thought Dingus was going to say punk. I thought he was going to say fuck water, bitch, or douchebag. Don't worry, was going to go. But you know, it's like we could. No, I don't blame Jaden Smith for for what's going on here. I think his parents are to blame. But whatever, he's not capable, and the character isn't capable either. I don't understand. He's not even. He's not as interesting as Katniss in the movie. In the movie, and that's the thing is where I I think that there's a kernel of. Uh, a good story here. I mean, I don't know what happened sure. with the script. I don't know what happened with the casting. I don't know why Will Smith has a story credit, but there are separate screenwriters. But for whatever reason, this is a story that I would like to see. And you alluded to this before, Dingus. This idea that a powerful commanding figure has to shepherd his incapable son through a, a, an almost impossible survival drama remotely. Um, that's, that's fascinating to me. If, if that was to be an elevator pitch, I would think, yeah, let's do that. 
Um, but yeah, it just the movie's definitely not up to. And think of the, the concept. Just a gut wrenching. I mean, this is this could be that sort of idea of of a fable about parenting. I mean, right. this gut wrenching feeling of being the father who has to watch his kid in this world of of absolute total danger but what they do instead is they have him drug himself immediately and he spends he actually doesn't doesn't doesn't. yeah Yeah, that's the point is he 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 suffered he sort of suffers through the pain he suffers the same side effects they would get if he drugged himself i couldn't tell because he spends both of them what's amazing to me is how much of the time both of the main characters spend being drowsy well, I, it reminded me a lot of the finale of Born Legacy, where Jeremy Renner falls asleep for the, for the climax of the movie. It's the same thing. You know, Will Smith is nodding off, and I'm like, I understand, brother. I'm, I'm, I'm with you 100%. Let's get to the end already. I'm losing interest. I lost interest a long time ago. They're drowsy for so much of the movie. One or both of them are falling asleep. And, and there's so little tension in the movie, I just started thinking, you know, if you want to not feel fear, you should just be watching this movie while you're going through this, because this movie removes all fear from every situation. Well, you know, Diggis, you mentioned this being an interesting story about parenthood, and it occurs to me we've seen this done right, and it was called Hannah. Yes, exactly! Alright. <laughs> that actor... Uh, it's like, well, this character is supposed to be the best, and he fucks up repeatedly. And he, the, he's, the more danger Jaden's getting in, the more Will kind of zones out, it seems like, even, towards the end. Well, and see, I didn't realize, uh, I couldn't tell that he hadn't taken the drug. And I guess that now that I remember him putting that little vial back in, but there's a couple of things. And M. Night doesn't, from my perspective, I watched a couple other things he, do- he does. He doesn't know what to focus on in the scene often. He just wants to focus on something that's interesting to him that has nothing to do with the scene sometimes. And like, like when they go through the wormhole in the ship, it's a shot of Will Smith's profile. Uh, and he does this weird sort of drifting camera thing. It was like, I just want to show you that I know how to move a camera rather than showing you what's important about the scene. So I couldn't tell whether he took the drug or not at the end. Has he lost his leg? <laughs> I, I thought we were going to see that as well, and it would be a counterpart to the other soldier. But no, he clearly has not lost his leg. But they never really show. They show like this cuff, this you know, the Ruprecht general cuff right there that they keep punching into. But they never show beyond it. Is, is Will Smith afraid of us seeing him without a leg? I mean, well, they don't have a prosthetic leg, so he should be scared. <laughs> has he <laughs> lost his leg or not? No, I don't think so. I mean, I, I, I think it's just a, yeah. If, one of the yeah maybe although maybe Dingus is right and he did lose it and the movie just was too inept to to uh, that. Uh. I didn't get that sense. Okay, Dingus, I have a challenge for you. Oh, does this yes. movie does this movie make you appreciate Oblivion more? Yes. <laughs> here's something. Night and day away. Here's something that yeah exactly Kelly Wand. Uh, so here's something that. Uh, while I was watching this, I was thinking, man, I remember how awesome Oblivion was for a number of reasons, but particularly as far as world building and creating this concept of future tech, uh, Oblivion is, is meticulous. I mean, if Joseph, Joseph Kaczynski, I forget the director's name, but if he does nothing, he's, a, he's at least, you know, th- there's a lot of attention to detail, to production values, to this idea that the technology looks consistent from one piece to another. There is none of that in this movie. This movie just has different holographic sequences and it has all these like touch pads. But then there are times where the actors press these ridiculous like 
big old huge honeycomb button things that look like something that a slee stack would use in Land of the Lost. Um, <laughs> you know, th- some of those probes look like little octopus things, and the ship looked like a manta ray or something. Um, I, I, there was just no sense of technical design or consistent technology or the the way they sold the future. That, that goofy pack he would open up every now and then that I think was on his back. The random blades that would stick out of the cutlass. Um, the fact that the beacon, he has to hold up and wave around like a cell phone. Yeah. What the hell <laughs> were they thinking? Can you hear me now? And here's, yes. here's, by the, here, here's where it, 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 it early on, I'm like, what are you idiots doing? Um, when they have seatbelts on. The seat belts are just regular cloth seat belts, and they put some sort of design on it to make it look futuristic and okay, whatever. But every time someone unbuckles a seat belt, they foley in this little hydraulic sound, <laughs> and it's just a click. You can even see it. It's a clicker like a normal airplane seat belt. So their <laughs> idea of the future is that a little clicker sound makes this hydraulic sound. That's the gravity. And what's going on with the sound on the bridge? It sounds like somebody's squishing caterpillars and taking a shower. <laughs> I didn't even notice that. Is that those are their foley effects for bridge avionics? Uh, well, I don't know. When they're pu- punching those huge, weird buttons you were referring to, it looks like is the ship made of organic matter? What the? What the right, exactly. Yeah. And a whale. <laughs> ah, Kelly Wan, you did find the Moby Dick connection because I was wondering about that as well, Kelly Wan. You're a genius. <laughs> Why do they do Moby Dick? I mean, yeah, yeah. we have it's, we have the original Rathacon that that references that, ad nauseum. Just choose another piece of literature, jerk. No, it was it was about a self destructive obsession and his obsession was But in this, what what's the connection with Moby Dick? That what happens in the movie? Besides, you know, I'll tell you what the connection is. The connection is someone who was working on the story or the script was like Moby Dick is classic. Let's put that in there. Yeah, that'll make them think they're reading it when they watch us. Well, you know, I've always said when uh, you are watching a movie and it has somebody giving like a school lecture or something and they're lecturing about a book or something, it's always important. It's very meticulous. The choice that is made, you know, what's being talked about there matters. And it's the same as somebody's reading a famous work of literature. This movie disabused me of that. <laughs> and it, they make it look like it's a kid's book. Like it's, oh, the fairy tale, like the cover's all like, it looks like an Oz book kind of. You know, it might be just in the service of a dick joke. Really? I actually said that in earnest, so I'm embarrassed. Um, Well, I will tell you one thing, Dingus. Uh, That's certainly how Kelly Wan used it in the synopsis. (laughs) Wait, I had another challenge. Earth. Why was it Earth? I don't understand why that. Why it was called after Earth, and then like, wouldn't it made? Would have been more conflict if it hadn't been Earth and like everything going spread. Kelly Wan, I am going to quote one of my favorite movies, Moonrise Kingdom, in answer to that, and I'm going to answer you by saying, "Who can say?" (laughs) Wait. What do you think of that, Kelly Wan? Uh. No one can say. <laughs> well, you know what? Sometimes it's kind of refreshing to go to a movie and it'll be every bit as bad as you were worried it would be. Sort of like all is right with the universe. That's kind of what I was worried was going to happen, and it did happen. 
summer. So all so bad movie. It's this bad movie season, right? You know the most fun I had at uh, After Earth was the trailer for Grown Ups Two. Oh, <laughs> it's like the car wash part. Oh my god, yes! It looked so incredibly awful. Your and car unfunny. is so dirty. <laughs> was that Adam Samberg? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's a sequel to the one where he's his kid. And they're the same characters. And <laughs> Very nice. <laughs> we, spent like ten mi- we spent the first ten minutes of After Earth laughing about the Grown Ups 2 trailer. Oh, I, it really was a little inappropriate. I mean, Dingus and I just sort of stifling these, these, these giggles while... <laughs> After Earth started just because of that trailer. Good lord. I mean, if I thought anything could make the Heat trailer, could elevate that, or, or rise above, or go beyond that, man, the trailer for Grown Ups 2, wow. Wow. Grown Ups 2. Inner 2 beer. Yeah. Uh, Kelly Wand, let's do a 3x3. Three three. What do you think of that? Mm. Mm. What idiot picked this topic? Huh. I don't know why you'd say that, because I think it's a pretty good topic. Why don't you tell oh. us what it is? I. <clears throat> Three most memorable movie dates. Although in hindsight, I kind of wish the topic had been like worst movies you've seen on a date. It's just too many. Uh, Dingus, is, is Kelly Wan accurate? Is it? Did he say most memorable? No, he said best dates. Yeah, yeah, I don't. Yeah, but then I said best doesn't mean anything, and no words mean anything. So there. Okay, so my I chose uh, my favorite moments where apes appear in a movie. <laughs> Let's see. So most memorable. Most memorable movie dates means I'm not going to be able to do uh, 500 first dates because that's the opposite of that movie's concept. It's 500 Days of Summer. Oh, shoot. You're right. (laughs) Thanks, Kelly Wand. Kelly Wand, that's me and math. It's like when you mixed up Parker, Richard Starks Parker, with the guy Spencer for Hire author. Uh, Now, Wand, not interesting. Um, All right, so uh, these are, according to Kelly Wan, the most memorable dates. According to me, just best dates, because that's what uh, Kelly Wan said last week. Uh, I'm introducing next week's 3 by 3 so I will be going first. Um, my number three pick – I have so many runners-up, too. This is a great one. Uh, my number three pick is uh, the date in Steven Soderbergh's movie Bubble. Uh, oh, I haven't seen it yet. You fuck. Bubble is so – Almost, I would say almost to a fault, but it is so in service of the material and the people that the movie's about. Bubble is so incredibly low-key. And what's amazing about this date is the actors, who aren't even really actors, there's a sense that they're improving and that Soderbergh worked with them to improv, but they're not people used to improv. So there is this incredibly... You cannot fake the authenticity that you see in the two characters going on a date in Bubble. Just for the awkward beats and how nobody really has anything interesting to say. And they ask each other inane questions. And they're both there kind of out of a sense of, you know, I guess we're supposed to go on a date. You later find out there's more to it than that. But the the pervading sense of the date in Bubble, and I love this about it, is that as you're watching these scenes, you're going... As an audience member, why am I here? <laughs> you know, what am I watching? <laughs> why am I seeing this? It is so incredibly, beautifully, lovingly mundane. Uh, so I love the date in Bubble, and especially how it turns out, because there's a, re- a reveal about why one of the, the people is on a date that kind of drives later bits of the movie. Um, but up until that point in, in Bubble, it is so low-key, and you're like, what is going on? Why am I watching this? <laughs> That's what all my dates say at one point or another. 
<laughs> Why, Why am, am I, I here? here? Yeah. Uh, so there's my number three is uh, the date in Bubble. I may watch that tonight. Uh, I would love to know what you think of Bubble, Kelly Wand. Yeah, I, me too. I've been waiting uh, how many years? Five, seven, twenty-three, five hundred or fifty, according to Tom. <laughs> Get on that, Kelly Wand. Uh, there's a, my favorite moment, and I told you this time is that is this moment where uh, he his mother. He says, we're, we're going to my bedroom because he lives with his mother. And his mother goes, okay, what? Uh, and she just does this wonderful gesture that, that lends this idea of, like, we haven't talked about what the rules are for this. And then he goes off to the bedroom with his, his girlfriend. What was so awesome, part of what's so awesome about Bubble is how well Soderbergh captures from basically non-actors little cues like that. And you can sort of fill in from that. She's never really had a conversation with him about what a date is, what it's going to be like if he brings a girl home, because right. that's not part of his experience. He's never done that before. Uh, well, yeah, it's, you don't bring your date to your mom's house. You're trying to get laid. Although that's, it works a lot. Well, that's she, where he lives. Well, she that, that's herself. I mean, that's so awesome. She, she does kind of drive the date at that point. Yeah, I love it. And, well, yeah, and I don't want to give away how it ends because it's uh, it's a lovely reveal. <laughs> but But just the two of them sitting in his bedroom drinking beers, talking about, you know, do you like hanging out in tattoo parlors? <laughs> That's one of the lines. <laughs> to his mom or the date? To the date. They don't no. have anything to say to each other. <laughs> I think you have a lot of high time stuff around here. <laughs> do you smoke, Kelly Wand? <laughs> yeah, I didn't see the movie yet. <laughs> Dingus, what is your number three pick for a favorite movie date? All right, here's a quote from it. That's a pretty fucking good milkshake. I don't know if it's worth $5, but it's pretty fucking good. There's Dingus going for the low-hanging fruit. That's uh, right. You know, it is a memorable date. That's yeah. not the criteria. <laughs> oh, I mean, well, it was a good day for that Steve is Buscemi. It's a great day because he's not supposed to think of it as a date. Uh, it's so not it's, a date. Yeah. It's not a date. It's Vincent Vega in Pulp Fiction uh, taking out Mia Wallace uh, at the behest of his boss, Marcellus Wallace. He's taking her out. That's taking not her out. <laughs> Is that a date? Because then this is a date, what we're doing right now. I think it is, Kelly. It's clearly a date, Kelly Wan. Come on. Why? Because he pays and they dance? Because there's an attraction between the two of them. It has some of the same beats as a date. Yeah, because they dance. He does penetrate her with something, too. Whoa, Kelly Wan. (laughs) You know what? You know what, Kelly Wan? Kelly Wan says, just fall on it. Just roll over and fall on it. (laughs) That's so dumb. Fuck, that's dumb. I mean, uh, yeah, it's clearly yes. a date, and it's a good pick. It's it's probably fa- like if you were to do, you know, if Leonard Malton were to do famous dates from movies, you yeah. know, Pulp Fiction would be in there, which is why I'm a little disappointed Dingus picked it. I know I am too. I'm disappointed in myself. But what I like about it is that Vincent, they're not supposed to think it's a date, and that's uh, sort of thematic, but not really. Um, I just I just like the, this idea, and I especially like the idea of him back at. The house, standing in the bathroom and talking himself out of, or talking himself into doing the right thing while she's overdosing. Um, I, just, I love the whole date. I love the awkward silences in it. I love the way the date is structured, and I love the dance. So there you go. You know, Dingus said, Dingus said one of my favorite things on this podcast about when we saw Iron Man 3, and he talked about how uh, 
in the whole subplot with Tony Stark dealing with PTSD and being traumatized by what happened in the Avengers movie, how part of what made it work is Robert Downey Jr.'s performance sort of cutting against that and that tension between how he felt and how he acted and what he was saying. And I'm sort of keen now to like when I watch movies and when I think about performances, what a great ingredient that is to a performance, you know, characters cutting against how they really feel. And that's part of what makes that Pulp Fiction date work is they're obviously attracted to each other you know they know it's not supposed to be a date it's just sort of a formality but that whole thing that ding has talked about of like cutting against the character's true feeling uh i love that part of the pulp fiction date so she didn't know john travolta could dance <laughs> who, who would who yeah, has, yeah, it's not, a total yeah. Shock. she obviously had not seen saturday night fever or grease i don't or urban cowboys right uh, <laughs> urban cowboy I like that one. <laughs> Kelly Wand, I hope I didn't scoop your number three pick for a favorite date. Is it Urban Cowboy? <gasps> no, that's not a date. Because there's no money changing hands. It's just sex. Wait. Oh. I mean, my theme was um, things I learned from watching these movie dates that taught me in RL something about actual dates. So Kelly Wand is gaming his own 3 by 3 I like that. Well, that's what a date is. I'll just keep saying that to everything until it works. Uh, my number third favorite date in a movie type thing with on um, theater screen is from the movie Taxi Driver, in which Travis Bickle. I mean, this is a movie that I, I was learned. Okay, <laughs> let me start all over. <laughs> Can't bear another word of that sentence. Stupid voice. Taxi driver. See, this is what I thought watching After Earth is that there's a lot of other things that cause pheromones. How about just showing porn, porn all over the planet instead of like putting humans on spikes? <laughs> yeah, that's the same. Because what's scarier than going on a date too? So in a way, if Isabel Furman had been there, the Ursa would have eaten them instantly. <laughs> but if I may get back to my list for a moment, sorry. In the movie Taxi Driver, I learned never you never take. A chick to a Swedish porn film till the third day, unless they're immigrants. That's my mystery. Kelly Wan, when on the date do you give them an album they already own? <laughs> That's a euphemism I haven't heard. Since <laughs> 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 huh, Tom? I kind of knew you were going to pick this, Kelly Wan. That's a good yes. one. It is a good date. It's a it famous a- date. It's a famous 70s cinema date. He has a lot of good dates in his movies. The good- Goodfellas has a lot of good dates in it, too. Oh, well, maybe thanks for ruining my number one pick. What? No, it's probably Dingus's number one pick. <laughs> what about when Scorsese's sitting in the car with him and there's are That's not a date. Have you ever seen what a 44 Magnum will do to a woman's aunt? That you should see. What a 44 Magnum will do to a woman's aunt, you should see. How's but that? Maybe he's having a date with the taxi driver. He's in the back seat of a car. That's part of a date, isn't it? Oh, Kelly Wand. Wand I can't wait to see that taxi is- in the Percy Jackson movie. That's going to be an awesome taxi. Kelly Wan, ask me what my number two pick is for a favorite movie date. I'm going to try and guess it. Okay. You're not going to guess any of mine because there, there are some that I'll want to talk about, but you guys are not going to guess a, a single one of mine. Can I ask you not to guess his number two? Yeah. <laughs> Don't guess my number two. So, Kelly Wan, my second favorite date from a movie, and it's kind of not even a date. It leads to one, and I think both of the characters hope it's a date. And the conversation they have is very much like a date. Um, And it is one of my favorite uh, two-actor scenes in any movie of all times. I could watch this scene over and over and over again. I just just so admire the 
the work the actors are doing and how much subtext is there, uh, how much backstory they reveal about themselves without trying to reveal it. Um, and it's the scene between Mary Elizabeth Mastrantonio and David Strathern in Limbo. Now, Limbo begins, uh, it's a John Sayles movie about a community in Alaska, and it begins showing you all these different characters in the movie. And as the movie goes on, it narrows down, and I think at this scene, where David Strathern comes to a bar to listen to Mary Elizabeth Mastrantonio sing, this is where you realize, ah, the movie is about them. Uh, and from there on, it takes a, a very different direction. But, I, God, I love the scene between the two of them. Uh, I love how they talk. I love the sort of the want they both express. Uh, and there's this sadness between the two of them. And they're just a, they're amazing actors doing amazing work with each other with a really good script. So it's pretty obscure, but my, my second favorite date, exceeded only by one other date, uh, is uh, when David Strathern and Mary Elizabeth Mastrantonio meet in a bar. There you go. That, dates don't take place in bars. <laughs> so I've heard. <laughs> Only behind them. Wait, um, you're not going to say what they... Okay, never mind. I just have to see the movie. Uh, well, Limbo, I mean, it's, it's just like I said, it's, it's a point in the movie where you've met all these other characters, and the kind of emotional focus drills down to these two characters, uh, rather than they're, they're everyone else. And where it goes from there is an important part of, of what Limbo is about. Um, I forgot my question, actually. Well, then let's go to Dingus. Dingus, what is your number two pick for a favorite movie date? Here's a quote from it. Mm-hmm. My sister's a liar. I have to go to the bathroom. Yep. See, that's I, again, I could have guessed anyone would pick this. Famous date. Uh, I love it. Dingus, did you wreck the bathroom? Uh, no. <laughs> I don't know if I'm doing the right. Sir, I'm going to have to ask you to leave. Uh, please don't do that. Sir? I'm going to throw you out. <laughs> you sound so less threatening than that guy. That guy, I know that guy could beat my ass. You're that's the guy like, you want. Yeah, that's guy. I will slap you with my glove. You definitely want that guy running your restaurant to keep weirdos out of it. Yeah, uh, Dingus, what date is this? It was certainly one that I considered. It's among my favorite dates. But again, it would be in Leonard Malton's book. I'm sure of it. Absolutely. That's where I got it, actually. It's uh, Punch Drunk Love. It's Barry Egan out with Lena Leonard. And uh, they're out on a date. And it's their first date. And uh, she mentions his sisters. And he goes and destroys the bathroom. And Wait a minute. Hold on, Dingus. Hold on a minute. Hold on. Just hold on one second. It's not that she mentions his sisters. She, she mentions something. She mentions something that he did, that he denies. What is that oh, thing? No. She just says, I heard you have one sister. I thought it was something about him throwing a hammer. Of course, he, and he was like, oh, "I didn't throw a hammer." And broke the, he broke the, um, the, uh, the sliding glass door. Is that what he? So he, man, he's a real danger to sliding glass doors. I just remember something about him throwing a hammer. I didn't remember that it broke a glass door, but yeah, because at the at the party he breaks the uh, like the credenza or, or the display case. Credenza? No, he doesn't. He breaks a glass door. He breaks a. I thought he broke a, a display case there. Kelly Wand, help us out here. What does Barry Egan break in the beginning of Punch Drunk Love? I thought hammers were short range. <laughs> it's a short range hammer. All right, well, anyway, go ahead. Uh, so, uh, door, actually. Uh, so, anyway, I just love the way this, this date develops and, the, and where it ends up later on. And uh, this is one of my runners up that I can't remember the date at all, but I love where it ends up. Uh, that I was hoping Tom would pick and that it looks like he's probably not going to pick. 
Um, but I love how this date resolves, and I love the way that these characters are getting to know each other for good and for bad. Um, and for by for bad, I mean uh, her getting to see who he really is and how careful she has to be and how that's going to make her more um, excited to be around him. I just, I love this date. I love, I love the two of them at that table. I love the conversation that develops. And I remember seeing it the very first time. I still remember going to see this and the people I saw it with and the way that date developed and how unexpected it was that he leaves the table and destroys the bathroom and comes back to the table and gets thrown out of the restaurant. I love that whole date. It's, it's the best. So can we then talk about dates in P.T. Anderson movies? Because is yeah. that what you're referencing, Dingus? Yeah. Because the Magnolia date is fantastic. It's just drawn out. It's Because like, the way Magnolia is woven together, the date between John C. Riley and Melora Walters is just amazing. And the kiss, yeah. that's an awesome kiss. But yeah. that's a great date as well. And I think that would also be in Leonard Maltin's book. But it's a very different dynamic, of course, than what's going on between Barry Egan and what, – what is her name, did you say? Lena? But you said her full name, and I didn't remember it being so lyrical. Lena what? Lena Leonard. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah. No, no, I don't, but that's beautiful. Uh, uh, that's not what I was referring to when I said uh, something you hoped to talk about, by the way. But ah, okay. uh, but the Magnolia one is one I, don't, I want to talk about later anyway. But yeah, that's fine. All right, well, I, yeah, well, I just, you know, I, I think Paul Thomas Anderson does two of the all-time great movie dates are definitely Punch Drunk Love and, uh, and Magnolia. Yeah. Remember but, when uh, IMDb called her an out-of-sight English woman or something? I do not. What? <laughs> out of sight? Is that from the IMDb synopsis for Punch Drunk Love? Yeah. I'm like a composition. <laughs> it was. That was, wasn't it? Isn't that what that... Uh, uh, oh, I might have added the out of sight thing. Like she's out of sight. Like that? Like in a 70s sense? <laughs> Actually, it just says English woman. Okay. <laughs> I added the out of sight. <laughs> With remember when it said that, and it didn't say well, Kelly, what then is your number two favorite movie date? Oh, my number two favorite movie date is in the movie Diner when he does the popcorn trick. Uh, so that's literally a movie date because they go to a movie. Literally. It's a movie in the movie, Kelly Wand. It's like infinitely recursive. It's definitely a date, too. <laughs> yeah. uh, who is it? Is that, is that Ellen Barkin and Mickey Rourke? Ellen Barkin? It's, it's Mickey Rourke and, and the uh, the blonde. <laughs> is Ellen yeah, Barkin not his diner? Did I just make that up? No, she is, but she's married to Daniel Stern. and he, Why is she on a date with Mickey Rourke, then? She's not at that point, but she wants to get on with him, and so he gets her to put a wig on that looks like this other woman that he went on a date with so that Daniel Stern won't recognize her. What? This is in Diner? Yep. This is Victor Victoria, dude. No kidding. Yeah, or, or Albert Nobbs. You're thinking of one of those movies, Dingus. Tom, I mean, Dingus. <laughs> Paul. <laughs> That's another day. Oh, yeah. Kelly Wan once called me Paul for the listeners out there. Because okay. I was talking about Flash speed talking. <laughs> what does that have to do with Paul? Yeah. Oh. But also... The, yes. Well, because I remember it's, my theme is what you learn from it. And then I learned. Ah, right, yes. What do you learn from that diner's porn trick? Don't do it with a hot dog. Because it's too risky. Tooth wise. <laughs> Dude. You're welcome. <laughs> uh, my number one date. That's a tough fact to follow, Kelly Wand. 
Uh, My number one date is uh, it's multiple people on a date together. It's a quadruple date, if you will. Um, it's actually three people on a date, and then there's another date that happens kind of simultaneously. And you know, it's four four girls on a date with four guys. It's a high school prom, uh, and it is kind of not quite the finale because the movie has uh, quite a bit further to go. But it's the prom in Virgin Suicides. Um, and uh, it's four different characters. It it mainly focuses on Josh Hartnett and um, Kristen or Kirsten. I always screw Kirsten. up her name. Kirsten Dunst, who Kelly Wand has worked with, I believe. Yeah. Uh, uh, worked under her. And I just love Virgin Suicides, the movie, for how it captures the... This is often something that is syrupy and nostalgic and all happy, but... <laughs> How it captures the feeling of that that period of life, that that high school uh, awkwardness and magic, um, and that's really hard to do without pandering and being like a family kids movie or something. But I love how they do that in Virgin Suicide. So uh, suicides, plural, unfortunately. Uh, so uh, specifically, the prom date in Virgin Suicides that would have to be my favorite movie date. So there you go. It's syrupy when it's going well. Date. Oh. Oh, and you know that made me think now of Bart got a room. What the fuck? I might have to change. One of them. Uh, have you not seen you, Kelly? One, you've seen Bart got a room, haven't you? I don't see movies with past tense in the title ever. Right. You know that. Uh, Kate Bakuchi is in it. Does that do anything for you? Oh, because you Give us a line for your number one pick for a movie date. Uh, yeah, uh, it's a bit of dialogue. What does Eva <laughs> think? What does Eva think about kissing? What kind? French. Midnight runs a date. Um, Tom, what's he saying? You know, this actually is making me think of a game called Brutal Legend, where Jack Black plays a character who is going to teach this uh, woman that he's met, Ophelia, uh, French kiss- kissing. So I'm pretty sure I've seen this movie, but I'm I'm conflating it with Brutal Legend, a video game. Dingus, hmm. is it Brutal Legend? Have That's you chosen? Have I have not chosen Brutal Legend. We've all seen this movie. We've done a podcast over it. Oh, it's High Times. Not High Times. That thing with... Uh, uh, and it's been on uh, my top ten list and Kelly's, I believe. Yeah, and, my top It's very sacred. And so here's here's another line. You have a pretty name, Eva, and you have a pretty face. You have a pretty face and a pretty name. Oh, oh, uh, Wally. Rain Man? Um, training Day, Bathtub. See, see, Dingus, see what you're getting? All right, I'll, I'll make it easy for you. No, no, I'll, I'll, I, want, uh, I want to hear more of Kelly Wan's guesses. Yes, see you in Gattacan. No. Uh, the uh, moon. The moon. <laughs> uh, golden fingers. I'll give you one of Eva's lines. I'm going to be honest with you, Doug. I really like hockey players. Oh, that's a good one. That's my. You know what? That should have been my favorite movie of last year instead of whatever I said. Yeah, it would have been if it had come out last year. What? Wait. It's from 2011. It's called Goon. It's directed wow. by Michael Douse, and it's the date that happens uh, accidentally between Eva and Doug. And uh, Eva uh, is on the phone talking while Doug's in a bar, and then people are making out all around him, and she's talking about, uh, you're breaking up. No, I'm not breaking up with you. You're breaking up on the phone. And she hangs up and she goes, I need a drink. She sits down and has a drink and some guy spills liquor on her. And then Doug <laughs> offers to let her dry herself with his parka because it's made out of the same 
stuff that's used to dry snow or something. Um, he's just so earnest and beautiful in this, and then he punches the guy out, and then they have this wonderful little impromptu date, and he walks her home, and uh, and he does his Doug stuff. He goes, Doug like Eva. <laughs> and she goes, Eva like Doug. I like you. And then he says that line where, what does Eva think about kissing? What kind? Talk about with Wally. <laughs> and and they have a kiss, and then she goes, "Wait, I, I can't do this." And then he and then he says this 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 line. He says, "Bye, Eva. I'm going to watch you walk up the stairs. Make sure you're safe." And it's like ten feet away. It's just beautiful. I love this date so much. So it's the movie Goon. That was really 2011. It really was. Fuck. See what happens, Kelly Wand. I didn't see it's the, these rules, you guys. All right, right, right. They're not rules; they're numbers. It's math, Kelly Wand. <sighs> There's Kelly Wand. Forget about it, Kelly. It's math. <laughs> what is your, I, that's a terrible excuse math. for a Chinatown reference. Uh, <laughs> Kelly Wand, what is your number one pick for a movie date that's memorable, and what did it teach you? Uh, I'll do a line from it, and then you have to guess what it taught me, awesome. which is almost as interesting. <clears throat> and your shit. Oh, was that the end of the line? <laughs> Wait, it, it was the big whole trouble line. in Little China. <sighs> Kelly Wand, can I ask you a serious question? Absolutely not. Well, then, would you ever consider just jumping in the sack? Sure, but never with someone in your condition. Well, let's talk about it. What's wrong with my condition? You should try standing downwind from where I am. It's Miller time. You know what I always say when it's Miller time. The scene that's from right. Big Trouble in Little China is brought to you by me. Wait, that's your number one? <laughs> no, I've just been... Uh, I, or, you know, I think I've told you this, Kyle. When Dingus believes that that scene in Big Trouble in Little China is terribly acted, terribly written, terribly shot, for whatever reason, he has rage and hatred and nothing else towards it. I am cipher rage when it comes to that. That's the scene that made it a date movie. Exactly. So no, so Kelly Wand, uh, we do not know your your line, uh, which is explicit, so I will not be repeating it. Uh, I do not recognize <laughs> what movie it's from. Well, the barn's burned down now. Should you just say it repeatedly? <laughs> Kelly Wand, I'm going to rebuild a new barn with no cussing. <laughs> I'm now going to ask you, what movie is it where you're a piece of S is the lesson you learned? Uh, I'll tell you the actor's name, and you have to guess the movie. Ah, yes, I can do that better. All right. John Lovitz. That narrows it down. Oh, very good. Dadgummit. Kelly Wand, you just one. won the topic. Yeah, yeah, no, you won the topic. Jeez, a Pete. And Dingus has only recently seen this movie, by the way. It took Dingus years oh. to see this movie. And I'm what an awesome topic. first scene. What an awesome date. Yeah, dadgummit. I love it. All right, Kelly Wand, tell us what the date is, what the movie is, and what you learned from it, and so forth. Oh, it's John Lovitz and that. What's that girl's name? How do you say his name? <laughs> Lovitz. Lovitz. He is love in his name. And it's uh, I want to say I want to say Joy Adams. Is that her name? Mmm. Joy. Right. And the movie's happiness. With and Will Smith. Joy. And it's Joy, Love in Happiness. Or Love. Actually, it's Jane Adams is the actress's name. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> so nothing I said is true. The kid right. who plays the young J- Jaden Smith in uh, After Earth is named Sincere Bob. You know, naming him after the mom, too. Jade Pinkett Smith names your son after her, and then the daughter after him. 
It's just creepy, man. Anyway, so happiness. Uh, yeah, it's the opening scene in the movie, and it comes right after, apparently, she's told John Lovitz that they have no future together, and he takes it poorly. And then it's uh, maybe the best acting I've ever seen of John Lovitz in a date movie. Not saying much, but I agree. Yeah. I just learned from that, um, although the pedophile's date's good, too. I learned a lot from that one. <laughs> no. Uh, also, uh, Kelly Wan, best use of an ashtray in a scene. I don't remember that. Isn't that the gift he gives her? It's an ashtray, and then he takes it back. <laughs> oh, I forgot about that. Wait, uh-huh. in the beginning? On the yeah, line. in the date, they're having a date, and he gives her a gift, and she says, well, you know, thanks, but I'll always treasure it. And he says, no, you won't. And he rips it out of her hands because you can't have it. <laughs> I am champagne. You'll always be shit. You know, that's the line after he takes away the ashtray. <laughs> Oh, I forgot about the ashtray. Okay, I forgot the ashtray. That sucks. Yeah. Well, that's what I learned from it is is bring an ashtray. So I guess I miss <laughs> learn what I. Kelly Wan, do we have listener submissions? Because boy, oh, have- I I got some runners up. Go ahead. What do we got? We got a million of them, mm-hmm. or nine. All right, you. Best date night from Jonathan J. Lando to Pratna. You know, are people trolling us with their name? Are they trying to make us? Like, they pick deliberately hard-to-pronounce names just to fuck with us. <laughs> Kelly Wand, not everybody can be named Kelly Wand. <laughs> On a date night. Well, there's only so many ways to mispronounce Kelly Wand, isn't there? And we'll find them all. Uh, Jonathan J. Lando, DePratna writes, so none of date night except maybe the James Franco stuff or looking at Tina Fey stuff. <laughs> Does all of Before Sunrise count? That was his immediate first thought besides date night. Uh, Remember? Uh, uh, Harold and Maude. Oh. It's one of his. Did they actually have a date, though? I don't remember. I don't remember a lot of that movie, I guess. I could use a number of moments from this, but stealing a truck to steal a tree to return it to nature in Harold and Maude is a happy favorite. I don't remember that at all. Do you? God, I'm... Get to the point where I don't remember huge swaths of things I've well, seen. Well, who, yeah, who has seen Harold and Maude in, I don't know, 15 years? Nobody I know. Remember it was uh, Mary's favorite date, and there's something about Mary. Like, she saw that as a date movie. So that's mm-hmm. how Ben Stiller, or no, Matt Dillon, gets her. Ah. So, was, obviously, the Weiss brothers have seen it recently. Uh, he goes on, I don't know what that means. He goes on to say... The guys who directed something about Mary... They've, if they're Alex. referencing Harold and Maude, they've obviously seen it recent to having shot the movie, right? Wouldn't you Would guess? you call them? White's Brothers? Isn't it Chris and Paul White's or something? Who directed that? Oh, it's the Farrelly's. Dadgummit. Kelly Wand, nobody's listening to you. Shut up. They're American Pie. Oh, so annoying. All right, never mind. I'm going to edit this pie. out. American Ha ha. Shut up. You know, you're wrong a lot. It's because we're, we're talking about pie. Sean William Scott, you have to bring up American Pie. <laughs> Scott. Oh, uh, so he writes Salmon Fishing in the Yemen Tom oh, God. I know the title of this movie and nothing else He feels it was a highly underrated film of last year and it had such a sweet and tender romantic current running throughout Dingus oh, I, I never saw it specific, Wait, what was the Oh God for? I thought that if somebody that. says a movie has a sweet and romantic current running through it, that's, that may, will make me run screaming. That sounds like something that somebody would say about when Harry met Sally or Spanglish. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> the movie that broke you up. There's some good dates in Spanglish, though. And when Harry met Sally. You know, Carrie Fisher and Bruno Kirby hooking up. Who can forget that? What a great date. 
pretty long. What he's having. Uh, the specific scene Jonathan's talking about in Salmon Fishing in the Yemen is when they go night swimming and Ewan asks Emily if he has a chance with her while they're lying on the shore together. It is shot so lovingly and the acting is just wonderful. Uh, just in case H&M gets kicked out for happening daylight. Ah, see? He's stricter than I am, Tom. I give you the first date from Blue Valentine. Oh, nice. oh that's a good one. More than just cloying ukulele and soft shoe, you really got to see through excellent acting. Two people fall in love, divorcing yourself from the context, get it? And the rest of the film, it is such humanity and charm. I like this topic, Tom. It really Tom liked it, too. Oh. I'll, okay. I, I, it, it really brought the sugar out of my bitter husk hollow insides. And that's what a date should be. Fred Bow writes... Since you guys were so disappointed by our 3 by 3 last week, we thought we'd only cite one memorable date scene. What did the, they do last week? Wait, now they're doing only one to punish us. Never mind. Nothing beats a day of the dump plinking rats with a six-shooter as portrayed in Sweet and Low Down. I didn't see that one. Did you see that one? No, but it makes me think of Fish Tank. What's the date in that? Don't they go to the um, the car pulling parts place to pull apart from a Volvo? There are several dates. Also, Michael Fassbender takes out. Uh, uh, I want to say what's her? What's the Emily Bunning? What who played the mother? Uh, takes her on a date, I guess, to wade in a dirty river or something. Yes, <laughs> substance of their date. Yeah, with their daughters. She likes him, so she'll kill him last. <laughs> That's so adorable. <laughs> Junkyard's a good place for a date, because you know you're not going to get spied on. Except by the rats. Uh, anyway, Fred and Lynn hope we like this one as the tears roll down their cheeks. Joshua Marshall writes, Brainstorm. Is it, it's not a date. Are you crazy? Is it a date if it was originally someone else's date, and you splice the crescendo of the evening into an endless orgasmic loop that can be played back on a tape deck that hooks up to your cortex? I think it probably is. See, my rebuttal to that, if I may, is is the Dream Quest date. Wait, is that the name of it, Tom? The yeah. Dennis, was, yeah, Dennis and Quaid. And Capshaw. See, they have a date in his mind. They have a dream date, literally. But Wait, Dreamscape, Dreamscape. Dreamscape, yeah. Dream Quest, I, Dream Quest, isn't that a wrestling movie? That's a wrestling movie with that's uh, Matthew Modine. Oh, <laughs> I won after losing. Haywire is Josh Marshall's second one. Yeah, okay, it was the guy's a special op, but fast better than that's not either. This guy's nuts. No offense, dude. I like how that, I, lo- I love how that, you know, how that date ends up with action in the bedroom. The action in the bedroom that ends that date is pretty awesome. The if Michael Fassbinder, Gina Carano date. In yeah, if I, if, if I die from her thighs around my neck, yes. it's still the best date I've ever been on. Yep. Is that going to be your vows? <laughs> That's not on a date. Date's all about lies. Oh, wait. Uh, they're a smart and sexy couple, and boy, they know how to bring passion to the bedroom. Having seen Michael Crichton's Rising Sun... Obviously, an expert on autoerotic asphyxiation. <laughs> nice. What? Although, in, any sentence that opens with having seen Michael Crichton's <laughs> Rising Sun, I'm kind of left behind. <laughs> yeah. You already lost. You lost me at having. 
<laughs> there is a, a a Philip and Belinda Haas movie. They did a great a great movie called uh, The Music of Chance, uh, called Blood Oranges, about a one armed man who dies by uh, because he's into autoerotic asphyxiation and it ends up killing him. Which, if you've only got one arm, that's probably not a good hobby to have. But there's another really good hobby to have. <laughs> is that your point? <laughs> Uh, I just I just thought I'd give a little shout out to uh, Blood Oranges if anyone wants to see that to see <laughs> the dangers of autoerotic asphyxiation amongst one armed people. Well, the title gives that away. <laughs> uh, number one, Carrie, such a sweet night out. Ah, <laughs> that is a date, or as much as the other two are. No, sure, yeah. the problem. Yeah, it's she is. Well, she thinks it's a date. Sure, the prom looked like an accident waiting to happen, but Tommy actually fell for Carrie by the time the dance was in full swing. That's true. Then they're voted prom king queen. What a night. Until the pig blood, the conflagration, mom's crucifixion. But you got to break a few eggs with your late mind powers to make an omelet. Also, uh, this guy really likes us. Um, I've followed along and watched a pretty high percentage of the movies since they first tapped into our fear of San Diego. I'm usually heading to the local theater on a light late weekend evening when the wife and our young kids have conked out early. I've seen a lot of great films on your recommendation, Kelly, and even more terrible films recommended by Tom and Dingus. <laughs> well, I added a couple bits there. He didn't actually say that. <laughs> but I think it's what he meant. Always made worthwhile by the Wandopsies. You guys sincerely rock Josh Marshall. Very sweet, Josh. Thank you. Let's see, Paul Weimer. Hi, guys. Here's my picks for the 3x3. Three three. Oh, Kelly, since Dr. McCoy was changing history, I do think it was a legitimate moment of compassion in the last 3x3. Three three. Oh. Wait, what? I forgot what I said. Dr. McCoy is changing history. Oh. It was your thing where he cures some woman of, of diabetes or some dialysis thing in, in the Star Trek movie with the whales or whatever. You said, oh, he, you know, he uses his tricorder or whatever to cure someone of leukemia. I forget what it was. No, it's, Something it's, like that. it's a kidney. It's kidney disease. It's dialysis. Yeah. 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 All right. Ha ha. You guys remember a Star Trek movie. <laughs> <laughs> his number three is Vincent Vega and Mia Wallace in Pulp Fiction. Oh, that's a little hanging fruit. Blah, blah, blah. blah. <laughs> uh, number two, Cary Grant finds herself being maneuvered into dinner en suite with Francie Stevens, Grace Kelly, and To Catch Thief. Isn't that movie just all one big date? Uh, Jesse seduces John with fake diamonds and Hitchcock's imagery of the fireworks going on outside as the two kiss is eminently memorable. I invented that, by the way. Me, Kelly One. Fireworks going off during sex. <laughs> I thought that uh, was just uh, remote probe droids. <laughs> Paul sees a lot of old like grandpa movies. Paul's like way too classically inclined for us, I think. Well, if you're dating, never mind. <laughs> the double blind date scene with Harry and Sally, Tom. Uh. What? <laughs> Hilariously, it leads to Jess and Marie talking with each other instead, hooking up together and eventually marrying. Yet, af yes, after what Dingus did with the titular last time, had to use the word again. Best regards, Paul. Yes, yeah, still there. Okay. Robert Armitage. Number three, being John Malkovich. John Malkovich is the condom and Catherine. Oh, that's a good one. I like that date. That's awesome. Yeah, that's, that's a really good date. <laughs> All right, Puppet Man. That's a great one. Are you married? Yeah. Check, please. 
I'm a puppeteer. Check, please. <laughs> Check, please. That's, that's a great one. Dates. Yeah, it is. Purple Rain. Wait, that's not Lake Minnetonka. <laughs> what? I don't think I saw Purple Rain. I just saw the black and white one. I've only seen the Dave Chappelle uh, sketch where Prince plays basketball. Tom, thoughts? Awesome. <laughs> what, what else do the readers submit? Go ahead. Adam's family values. You cannot dance like the Adams, nor should you try. That's Robert Armitage's first one. Mm-hmm. Um, Rhiannon McLean writes, Here are the three most memorable dates in movies ever. Actually, movie dates I can think of, but they're all pretty delightful. Cabin Fever 2, Spring Fever, <laughs> the superior sequel. Tom, thoughts? Oh, I'm so disappointed in Rhiannon. The flesh-eating virus turns the school dance into a night to remember. I didn't see the, the whole movie. There's a school in it? Cabin Fever 2 might have been directed by Ty West. Yeah, I didn't say oh, that. No. Yeah. I know, I know. I watched but the credits and they're animated. Yeah, it's got weird, like, cartoony credits. Uh, but it's got Eli Roth's uh, gross fingerprints all over it, though, so... <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Excuse me. <laughs> All right, so Rhiannon's picked that. What else? I would love to see that printed out on screen. Eli Roth's gross fingerprints. <laughs> Number two, and the loved ones. Lola's dad arranges a special prom night just for her and her. Oh last man, two. Rhiannon has completely restored herself in my eyes. This is an awesome pick. Nobody else has probably seen this movie but me. Go ahead. I'm sorry, Kelly Wand. I'm very excited now. Read this one again. Well, that's all she said about it. So you have to embellish what she said. Because I don't know what you're talking about. The Loved Ones is a delightfully twisted uh, Australian black comedy horror movie about a girl determined to get a date, a prom date, and she has she, her father helps her uh, with like the big man on campus, the popular boy at school, this sort of dreamy guy at school. And and I'll just say it involves a drill. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know anybody else had seen that. Very nice, Rhiannon. Uh. Number one, in Idle Hands, Devin Sawa cuts off his evil hand and leaves it in the microwave while he goes on a date with Jessica Alba. They have a lovely time, except that he dies, and her friend gets diced by a ceiling fan and the offspring's playing. <laughs> Bye for now, Rhiannon. P.S. My yeah. boyfriend would add. Wait, did you have an Idle Hands? No, no, I'm, I'm, I've never seen it, but I'm now writing down. Anybody who chooses the loved ones, I'm writing down Idle Hands. All right, go ahead. What does Rhiannon's boyfriend want to add? Idle Hands is just a ripoff of Evil Dead 2, but it was the first Jessica Alba movie, and okay. she's kind of cute in it. Um, uh, Devin Sawa, I, I love how bland that fella is. <laughs> it's kind been of in Final Destination. Right, well, exactly, yeah. yeah. He seems like the kind of guy who would have a premonition, and everyone would go, oh, fuck that is guy. He, is he also the kid in World's Greatest Dad? No, he's a little too... Well, unless it's an adult kid. Devin Saw was a... He's, I think he's a teenager. Oh, guy yeah, it's, it's somebody else. Never mind. Yeah. Uh, Rhiannon's boyfriend would like to add his two pence, which is that the date with Destiny and Jaws is the most memorable movie date. <laughs> this chick's got your number, Tom. Well, no, hold on. Uh, well, she might, but her boyfriend doesn't. Nobody has a date with Destiny and Jaws. That's something like in Jaws 4, maybe. Uh, I would. I would... That I would accept described as a date with destiny. Nobody in Jaws has a destiny. Rhiannon's boyfriend is a tool. She well, adds, I don't know if the shark had the date or Quint did or what. I think he just wanted to say date with destiny. So she's uh, too. 
Yeah. Uh, all right. Lovely cliche. No, so I, I don't. I don't. I don't want to be mean, but uh, yeah, I, there's no date with destiny in Jaws, please. <laughs> it did sound weird. Not even as I read it, I go, wait, date with destiny. I wouldn't remember. I guess Ben Gardner's destiny. Uh, Rhiannon, I hope you're showing your boyfriend uh, great horror movies because he needs to learn a thing or two about how to interpret them. That's all I'll say. So in Jaws 4, it's personal and it's a date with destiny. Exactly, yeah. It's a personal date with destiny. Personal date with destiny. Uh, Ross Cameron, hi, I've never heard your podcast before. My girlfriend listens every week and sends in her suggestions for the 3x3 when she can remember. I thought this game sounds easy, so here's my attempt at playing along. (laughs) Sorry I did your voice like that. (laughs) <laughs> it's that's my default voice. Number three, Jennifer's body. Somebody oh, goes up, oh, uh, I like this one. Go ahead. Sorry. He's. I think he means when the kid, the goth kid, goes to the dark house street. Well, yeah. There's a couple of great dates. I mean, there's certainly there's a great date in the woods. The kind of double date that begins the movie, uh, where they go out to the bar to see the. That's not really a date. It's chicks going yeah, to a bar. What am I thinking? Play. Uh, the the date where she seduces Needy's boyfriend at the end. It's like a prom thing. No, there's a lot of great dating in Jennifer's body. Mm-hmm. That's the least date-ish. Yeah. Also, when Needy comes to Jennifer's house. Oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. D-A-T-E-Y. <laughs> Someone goes on a date in that, right? They get attacked. Someone dies. There's a swimming pool, abandoned house. Boo. So he's agreeing with you. It's all one big date. Knocked out. like a poem. <laughs> Thanks, Beavis. <laughs> Seth Rogen gets the news. Calm down, Beavis. <laughs> That's my favorite response to Dingus. It makes no sense, but I loved that. <laughs> there's, a lot of, there's a lot of that tonight, but I think it might be, I don't know. It's probably me. <laughs> Seth Rogen guy. <laughs> Wait, he calls him that. Knocked up. Seth Rogen guy gets the news. <laughs> <laughs> Seth Rogen guy. <laughs> Gets the news that he's impregnated some girl on their first proper quote date. That's the worst news to get at any time, but on your first date, brutal. Yeah, but if it's with Heigl, that's nine months of free contraception. That was me, by the way, not Ross Cameron. He's probably appalled right now. Number one, drive. Ryan Gosling goes on a wee drive. On a wee drive. <laughs> See, I, I, Never mind. Uh, there's some lovely music playing. Pretty, pretty. Or I'm sure they're coming back from going on a date when Ryan Gosling smashes in a guy's skull in the elevator. They were awful choices. Sorry. Bye, Ross. <laughs> and Ross was the one who claimed that this was an easy game? Yeah. He gets cocky and he left that in. The email. Guys, you're fucking... And then he ends with, P.S. That was actually harder than I thought it was going to be. P.S. Can you tell I'm not a movie guy, really? That was better than some of us. Well, I will say that Ross's character arc in that email was way more developed than anything we saw in After Earth. Yeah. (laughs) Since he's not a movie person, he thinks that's flattery. (laughs) Scott Andrews. This may be my record for most submissions, Tom. It's a good 3x3, Kelly Wand. I know. Everyone's been on a movie date or seen them. Scott Andrews writes, hello, QT3. The third date. Wait, what? The third date, see the city from the top of Skyscraper, eat lunch at a French restaurant. Oh, okay, so go to a baseball game, visit an art museum, and lip sync two songs during the parade. Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Ah. The date, clearly, yes, if it was only Ferris and his girlfriend. I don't think Cameron's the third wheel. 
Uh, Ferris and Cameron have their moments. The lip sync performance dedicated to Cameron, not Sloane. But she's there. The second date, use a rope harness and flare, show fresco paintings on the high walls of a church. Sapper Kent. I know what that's from. And Nurse Hannah in The English Patient. I thought you hadn't seen that. You thought I hadn't seen The English Patient? Really? Why would you see? Because I thought Dingus made a reference to it in Oblivion, and you were all, Duh. I might have been all do, but I know I'm a I'm a sucker for English patient. I I'm I'm head over heels in love with that movie and specifically with what I had already thought that Kirsten Kirsten what what Kirsten Scott Thomas am I saying it right Kristen Kristen that gummit uh, I'd already thought that she was hot from uh, this movie called Angels and Insects which I think again is Philip Toss she, she is the uh, so Insect. Patsy Kensett is the hot daughter, ah. but uh, she's the etymologist, entomologist, who uh, Mark Rylance falls for, and she's incredibly sexy in that movie. So, when she was up for that part in English Patient, they were like, I don't know, is she sexy enough? And, man, she's just smoking in English she Patient. She was always funny. She shows her knobs in uh, Lethal Weapon 2. Kind of <sighs> <laughs> Wait a minute. Kristen Scott Thomas is in Lethal Weapon 2? No, Patsy Oh, Patsy Kensett. Oh, <laughs> whatever. But I like where your head's at. <laughs> you made me want to see Lethal Weapon 2 again. Right, I forgot. Yeah, Patsy Kensett is Lethal in Weapon that. Lethal Weapon 2 is really good, if I remember. She, right. she has really, yeah, she looks good in, in Lethal Weapon 2, and he makes chili for her. How is it that I'm talking about Kristen Scott Thomas, and you guys get on a jag about Patsy Kensett? Oh, you're both so conventional. I just remember her nipples. She had really nice nipples. Oh, for Pete's sake. Oh, for gold dog, dog. <laughs> uh, my favorite date for English patient was the cave, by the way. But anyway, that's me. Um, <laughs> first date, sitting on a swing in a park in the dark. Scott Pilgrim and Ramona Flowers in Scott Pilgrim versus the World. Tom, yeah. you gonna you gonna diss our listeners that send things <laughs> into us? Some people, I think I, I believe I quoted Scott Pilgrim versus the World to Dingus uh, within the last few days. So there you go. How? What? What do you mean? Uh, let's see. The line "bread makes you fat" uh, that, that came up. <laughs> I recently. like that date too. Yeah. Oh, that's a date. That's right. Yeah. He makes your garlic bread. Yep. Been on that date. <laughs> uh, bonus dates from Scott Andrews' girlfriend. Uh, Harry met Sally lunch. Uh-huh. Wally and Eve and Wally after escaping the skate pod auto destruction, returning Eve's Earth plant. Wally uses a fire extinguisher. Oh, all space dancing. That's a very sweet one. I I was about to say there's no dates in that movie, but yeah, okay. You know what? I'll... It's not a date without a fire extinguisher. <laughs> I always well, you know. Yeah. Uh, Ennis and Jack and Brokeback Mountain. The last fishing trip with the "I wish I knew how to quit you" line. Well, that's not really a that's not a date. It's a breakup, really, isn't it? Well, sometimes people go on a date to break up. Yeah, and then there's makeup, sex, and breakup. Um, masturbation. Uh, that wasn't him, by the way. And finally, <laughs> Fire QT3, right? <laughs> Actually, just two. I don't get out much. Number two, are you Harry? The first awkward but successful meeting and date in Una Liaison Pornographique. He answered a personal ad for something very specific, and she liked him. Did oh, that's that a great one. God, that's a great one. Ah. Uh. You know what it is, is Tom? Yeah, I do. That's a that's a freaking great choice. Damn. That's I'm not great... even sure. I'm... 
Okay. I'm not even sure I know what the movie is. Pornographic? It's, what? it's, it's, it's an affair of love. It's a French movie. It, the, the translation is an, an affair of love, but the, oh. uh, the, the French version is an affair pornographique. And it's, it's a freaking great date for, uh, a, like, like she says, this, this setup of uh, meeting a guy through an ad and you, you're, you're shorter than I thought you would be and, and they're, they're trying to sort of, feel each other out are we going to move on are we not and uh and she is so such a sexy woman uh it's it's a really really good choice and i didn't even think of it that's wonderful wait a minute french an affair du pornographique is translated in american to an affair of love an affair of love yeah that's what that's what it's called in english i think something is lost in the translation it's possible all right what's pornographique mean in english it means no worries. <laughs> oh, Kuda. Oh, I see what you did there. And Fire Kichi 3's number one is Anne and Jean-Louis and their one child each having dinner together in A Man and a Woman. Tom? It must be French. Dingus? Have you seen A Man and a Woman? Yes, it's another really good choice. Oh. It's... Uh, I mean, you have to watch the scene to believe it. I mean, it's, uh, I had no idea she was choosing these things and that she was even going to enter. She hasn't entered uh, choices in a long time. And these are really great choices. This is a really wonderful date uh, with uh, two people and their kids. Um, it's, oh, it's great. I mean, you have to That's watch it. Just go and watch it. It's, it's really great. <laughs> I, I, I'm not going to, I'm not going to describe it because you have to, you have to see it to really get sort of the the wonderful romantic awkwardness of it it's it's great i'm i'm really surprised these are wonderful choices convinced tom back me up uh i don't do french movies very well sorry uh (laughs) but i'm sure they're awesome thanks for the podcast guys it's the highlight of my week your loyal listener fire all right says nine submissions tom all right run it up Runners up, uh, you guys haven't seen a movie called Natural Selection, but there's an actress named Rachel Harris in it who's just so good. I mean, Natural Selection's presumably a sort of a wacky comedy about a woman going to find her dying husband's long lost son on his behalf. Uh, and it ends up evolving very differently than she expects. She's this, uh, sort of uptight Christian woman. Um, and there is arguably a date scene in that movie, which I just think is pretty adorable, mainly because of how awesome Rachel Harris is. Um, so that's one of my runners-up. What do you guys got? Wait, that's all? Or well, I guess more. Uh, the, I love the whole arc of the scene in Sideways. Um, yeah. yeah, that's one just of as, as a group date and how it progresses and how Miles gets despondent uh, and how he later sort of opens up to Virginia Madsen's character. Uh, I, I just love that sequence in Sideways. I, I love the, the characters and the actors in that. Uh, and it's just so idyllic, too. Yeah. Um, yeah. Ending up back at her house and, you know, uh, yeah. So It's the perfect date. It kind of is, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then Thomas Hayden Church screws it up. What a jerk. That's his character. That's true. Uh, this isn't really a date, but just because she got shafted in, uh, well, because she got cut from After Earth, um, and it just I wanted to bring it up. Uh, Isabella Furman's kind of quote unquote date with Peter Sarsgaard. I wouldn't say it's my favorite date, what? but it's certainly uh, something memorable um, and weird. I'll what? handle this. I'll handle the creepy thing. Okay. <laughs> John's taken, bitch. 
<laughs> stick to the dad gummits and they uh, drive it like you stole it. Uh, I do love. Uh, it's a small <laughs> scene, but I love the dynamic where uh, uh, Michael Fassbender and one of the women that he goes on a date with in the movie Shame, where they're yeah. sitting at a, at a table and there's all the sexual tension between them, and just the dynamic of the waiter coming up and having to do his job. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Interrupting the that. Black chick, right? Yeah, yeah. I just uh, love that sequence in Shame. Uh, I love so I love that date and how they're. Just kind of, you know, sort of put on hold the sexual tension between them while the waiter, I forget if he's reading the specials of the day or whatever, but uh, I love that dynamic. I Kelly wanted to set them on that one. That girl was really good. I just like that girl. Yeah. Was there a date in MacGruber, Kelly Wand? Uh, like a date montage or something? One of their missions is kind of like a date because then she dresses up like MacGruber. Which would probably be how they date. And then also when Ryan Philippe gets shot, it's kind of a date. Because she's going into pee or poo. What's that? Also, uh, you're all what? <laughs> Butthole. One of these days, Dingus, we're going to make you love MacGruber like you should. The first half's not that good. I've noticed. It's Kelly Wand, you're back. Don't. You're not. Am I, am I being. Am I backpedaling? You're just making it easier for Dingus to, to, to naysay MacGruber. Don't, do, don't enable him. Well, because I saw the end first, and went, wait, that looked really funny. I got to see the whole thing. But then it seems like the second half's funnier than the first. <laughs> so got to earn the last that long. MacGruber, Kelly Wan, MacGruber has to earn this. Mm. I guess uh, Charlize Theron's date with uh, Patton Oswalt. <laughs> oh. Ooh, too soon, boo. Wait a minute, no. I mean, that's, I, I didn't care for that movie so much, but come on. I didn't either. That's why I hate even... It's a great it's a great date for Patton Oswalt. It's as good a date as he'll ever have. Wow. And his character. JK. <laughs> yeah. What runners up do you guys have? Dingus? Um I really love and this doesn't really qualify as a date, but you mentioned something like leading up to a date in your list, Tom. So I feel comfortable uh, for a date. Uh, I love that sequence, and this is this is one of my contentions for why I think Will Smith is just a freaking star. And, and it's that scene in the video store where he's propositioning, not propositioning, but talking to the mannequin and trying to approach her, and he's getting to the point where he's going to ask her on a date, and it's kind of their their conversation, and he's kind of talking to her, and but he's like, I don't know if I can really talk to her. All right, I'll try to next time. So I like the idea of that as the kind of that opening gambit on the next time we're going to have a date when he's in the video store and talking to the mannequin. Kelly Wand, have you been on that date? (laughs) I wish. So another date I really love because one character thinks it's a date and nobody else does is uh, the after play dinner in Rushmore when he's sitting there and screaming Oh, are you? Yeah, exactly. And (laughs) He's like, I have a hit play, and he thinks he's out on a date with her and his friend, uh, Bill Murray, and this douche from the the OR has come along, uh, but he's not really on a date. He doesn't know that. And the other, Wes Anderson I would include would be um, Gene Hackman and, uh, um, oh, geez, Margot, who, uh, Gwyneth Paltrow, at their little lunch date together where he asks, uh, where they talk about her middle name. It's not a date. That's, that's so not a date. Yeah, that's yeah. creepier than what I said about Isabella Furman and Peter Sarsgaard. That's not just saying any scene with a male actor and a female actor is a date. <laughs> no, that's people often did. talk about, like, uh, we're going on a date. They're not dating. He's a stepfather. <laughs> what? 
Tom. Not Fine. step. First of all, not stepfather. She's adopted. Kelly, want to get not, it straight? That's not a date. Not a date. Not a date. <laughs> it's a great Air scene, though. So I, I, it's a great scene. So I'm willing to grant. The topic it. wasn't scenes. <laughs> was it? I was also Jesus. looking for this. I, I really couldn't think of it, and then I didn't apply myself well enough. I apologize. But I was thinking of something from a movie like 28 Weeks Later, or something post-apocalyptic, where somebody has this uh, this candlelight, sad little, we're going to make do date. Um, <laughs> Get it? And I couldn't remember, I couldn't, I, I, it's one of those movie scenes that's sort of on the tip of my tongue, that's two characters in this awful, horrific, or post-apocalyptic situation where they create a date out of whole cloth basically and i couldn't i couldn't come up with it there's nothing in 28 weeks later like that or 20 there's nothing i can't come up with it can you guys help me well those characters are usually busy like looting shopping malls and that sort of thing so you don't really have a lot of time for dating but but sometimes there's that that pause where we have like a date or a pretend date where where we make up what we're eating or something. I, I, I don't know. I think, Dingus, I think in the, in the apocalypse, you just cut to the sex. <laughs> Literally. All right. Top three cut to the sex. <laughs> Kelly Wan, what runners-up do you have, dare I ask? I think by Dingus' standards, Denzel Washington and Gene Hackman have a date in Crimson Tide. <laughs> With Seaman Beaumont? And cigars. <laughs> and cigars. And a sunset. That's a date. That's definitely, they share a cigar and they look at a sunset. Good. Sam Neill's date with Montana. That's a date. Uh, I wish he had. They also do go under. That's a date with destiny. Uh, I just want to quickly amend something I said early on the podcast, because I'm sure we're going to get a lot of email about this. I mistook Mayanna Buring, who is the pretty blonde wife in uh, Kill List, for Kirsten Waring, who's the pretty blonde wife in Fish Tank. And I want to... I know you're probably all busy composing angry emails about that right now, so I just wanted to correct that. Fuck uh, you, chick! I knew it! <laughs> I wondered where that guy was. Right. Oh, you're right out again. <laughs> Weird that he knew you were going to say that right then. That's part of his talent. It's always nice to hear from Z-Bone coming here from Metacritic. I, I always appreciate him dropping in. He's always our first listener. He always knows what we're saying before we say it. Uh, What's well, my other runners-up? Oh, yes. The other runners-up, Kelly Wand. I like Rocky's date with Adrian at the ice skating rink. That's a good one, actually. Another like Seth Miracle date. Mile. Do you like what? Say again. Miracle Mile. Oh, that? yeah. Sure, of course. Great ending. And that's as good a date as Anthony Edwards is ever going to get. That's true. <laughs> and, yeah, exactly. It really no, is he's, he, oh, he's doing fine for himself. Is, is he on a TV series now about something? <laughs> So I didn't want, I didn't know if he listens to the podcast. I didn't want to make him angry. Kelly, one. What other runners up do you have? Oh, in Sky High, that superhero high school movie. There's a double date with uh, the super brain teacher and Bruce Campbell with evil twins. Or wait, a non-evil twin and an evil twin, and then they both. Well, I now like the date in uh, Dark Knight Rises with Bruce Wayne and his ballerina chick and Maggie Gyllenhaal and Harvey Dent. Oh. <laughs> no, that Dark Knight. Wait, did I screw up? Yes, Dark you Knight. did. Take control of your runner-up. <laughs> Dark 
Dark Knight Return. What does he do in the second he movie? Rises. Return? No, he rises. No, he rises. He just, in the last he just movie. does a Dark Knight. That's all he does. He begins and then he is the Dark Knight. <laughs> Shut up, Bane. <laughs> no, take control of your paper. Well, I, I, ready, sir. Uh, I I want to do a three by three for next week. You guys ready for this? Are we? Okay. Remember in After Earth when Will Smith uh, get, shut up, Dingus. I'm gonna I'm say not, no. I don't. <laughs> you will remember this in uh, After Earth. At one point, Will Smith uh, comes into um, is it Sophie Okanito? Dingus, how do I say her last name? Because I love uh, that's how you say it. <laughs> it's it's Okanito, yeah. Okanato. Uh, and by the way, God, I love her dimples. I even wrote a note about that. She's got these amazing dimples that have like an angle to them. She's got these awesome dimples. But at any rate, at one point, Will Smith gives her a necklace. And it's like this rock the size of a tangerine for whatever reason. And it's never explained. It's just a necklace he gives her. Um, but it just made me think of jewelry in movies. Now, this can go <laughs> any direction. There's lots of options here. We also saw, by the way, Letty, Letty, Leedy. What's Jennifer or Michelle Rodriguez's name in Fast and Furious Six? Ah, uh, you said Jennifer Lopez. Script, Michelle Rodriguez. Shut up. You, uh, Letty? Is, is it her name, Letty? It's Letty. Yeah, because isn't there a whole subplot with Letty's uh, cross? Like she's got a cross necklace that Vin Diesel gets, and I forget whose necklace that was. But at any rate, it was her just, necklace, and then she hands it to Shaw, and he just drops it, and that's it. But then no, no, because it get, isn't it given to uh, the Asian fellow who Jason Statham kills? Uh, spoiler! That's a major spoiler. Oops. Spoil a movie that crappy. At any rate, there's a necklace figured prominently in there. So Does that count as jewelry? Okay, go ahead. Of course, because the, the the necklace is passed along from person to person. Now, jewelry can mean any number of things. I'm not even going to begin to talk about the variations. And Kelly Wand, I will not be fielding any questions for this. What? <laughs> because you know what jewelry is. You know it's used in many ways in movies. Kelly Wand, you might even wear jewelry. I don't know. Uh, They're in me. So I don't even want to know. Uh, so what I want from you are your three favorite uses of jewelry in a movie. Uh, straightforward. Nope. 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 No questions. So that is next week's 3 by 3 Oh, wait. Uh, tell them when they have to have it in by. So uh, send it in soon. We're we're on a different schedule this week. We, we record this on a Sunday night. So please send this in quickly. Get it to us by uh, Wednesday night, hopefully. Uh, there will be an abbreviated schedule for this week, I'm afraid. We'll post next week at the normal time, but there's a, a, a sharper deadline for the 3x3. Three three. Uh, send that in to 3x3 at quarter2x3.com. You have to spell that out, quarter2x3.com. <laughs> have to. Now, next week, uh, let's see. Here's what's opening. Oh, wait. Um, I just thought of another of my favorite dates. Damn. Ah, yes, Dingus. Dingus, let's rewind real quickly. What else would be on your runner-up list? Oh, the, the date that the monkey eats in Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark. Kelly Wan, can you believe uh, that I fell for that? Can you uh, believe that? Uh, I can't believe he interrupted you for that. <laughs> oh. Not that it was that good. Your thing, Tom. I've heard worse. <laughs> I've dated worse. <laughs> Uh, next week, uh, so there's a horror movie called The Purge opening, which I'm looking forward to seeing. Uh, Joss Whedon's adaptation of Much Ado About Nothing also opening. I'm looking forward to seeing The Internship. And I was uh, to see that. Uh, but see if there's a joke in it that makes sense even, like the whole movie. Maybe. Do you get um, high? Yeah. <laughs> That's not a joke. I don't get that. Why is that? Because he's Indian? Kelly Wand, you got us a, <laughs> Kelly Wand, you got us a job at Google? 
Well, uh, that's just a preview that could lead to a movie. Fist me, bro. Get on up here. Let's all fist each other. The kids would know that. They would know it. Yes, we're all here, cyborg. Rogue? Wait, wait, wait. You're talking about about Flashdance. (laughs) But they're older, so they would know. So their ex is a... There you go. So you have basically now heard what our podcast would have been if we'd been forced to sit through the internship. Uh, so anyway, what we're doing next week is a little something different. We're just going to bail on those movies. We've got, there are a couple of really tedious weekends coming up this summer, and <laughs> we had a few things queued up we want to talk about. So we're going to talk about one of those next week. See a movie called Upstream Color, uh, directed by Shane Carruth. Uh, we will be discussing that next week. It's available on Instant Watch, on DVD, all Blu-ray, all those kind of things. Uh, see that and join us for our Upstream Color podcast next week, as well as our discussion of jewelry in movies. I am Tom Chick. I have been joined by Christian Makrowski. It's Christian Murawski. Uh, I don't think that's right. And also, Kelly Wand. Here's what dating me feels like. <laughs> Which Smith kid sings that? Huh. Oh, also the Lion Country Safari date in Company of Men. That taught me. Um, roll up your windows. I'm going to grab some rack time. I recommend you do the same. <laughs> Jeez, morning zoo. <laughs>